connecting, connected. Here comes music for the audience, and we'll get started. for our two-hour little get-together here at the Radio Ranch. We label it Roger Says, your host, and, of course, we're uh, appearing on the Eurofolk Radio Network platform and mighty glad to be associated with these fine folks. So uh, here we go on the 27th of April, 22, and towards the end of April, everybody's always glad to see most people, glad to see April go, that's for sure. Um, and uh, as uh, alluding to that little right throwaway right there, uh, Nastasha was reading us something right before we were going to go on the air, and I asked her to put it on the back burner for a second and wait till we get affiliated and hooked up with all you fine folks that are listening so that we could go over this together. She uh, found something. You've been doing a, a little bit of IRS instigation. First of all, Nastasha, let me back up a step or two here. You've been hanging out at the law library, you tell me. Nastasha, she's not there. Okay, we'll have to wait. No, I'm here. I just had. I thought I was unmuted. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You've been hanging out at the law library, and I told you to check and see if it was a federal depository library, and you did, and it is correct. Yes, it's the second largest in the United States. Yikes! Um, and that's just down the street from you. Four blocks. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and probably and never been in there until recently, right? No, I, I was in there maybe about three years ago. Um, and I didn't go back in because, you know, of all the crap, unlawful crap over the last two years. Um, so, but I didn't really, I mean, I didn't know the significance of it. Mm-hmm. And so... The next largest is the Library of Congress. It's it's second in the country behind the Library of Congress. Boy, that's quite an advantage uh, for those who might want to, you know, be bookworms in the legal section there. That's that's quite a compilation of of legal and historical documents, obviously. And what's interesting is that um, I never realized this, and I walk by it all the time, is that it's actually seven floors. Um, Seven floors? Yeah. But six floors are not available to the public. Oh, okay. And you got to be an attorney to get up there. Um, they'll go and get the books for you. Uh huh. But the current um, catalog system needs to be updated. So <laughs> at this moment, you need to know well, what you're looking for. Well, the updated so, care, the updated catalog funds went to the Ukraine. So we'll just put that off yeah. till a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it's it is really significant and they're very helpful. Um, and it's it's considered a private library. So um, they don't follow necessarily like the same. It, it's considered as, a private library and well, it's a government book, federal book depository. Wow, that's weird. I, I don't know if private is the right word. Uh uh-huh. They, kind of restricted. A, Let's just say restricted in a sense. Okay. And I got to re 
reconfirm those words because it's um, it's a membership. So you can use it free, but if you want to take out books, et cetera, you have oh, to pay a membership okay. fee. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Makes sense. So, um, and it's a little bit different from the public library. I'm surprised they let you take a book. I'm surprised they let you take anything out of there. Quite yeah. frankly, yep. And um, the other thing I was going to say. Um, it'll come back to me. I can't think of okay. it at the moment. Well, the uh, the the point of this, oh, was, this was the other thing. Wait, this was the uh, okay. other thing is that um, I had asked them where I could find the reference material on how these five hundred plus agencies come into being, and she thought I would have to go to the public library because she said that's actually more historical than legislative or I don't um, think which I that, that interesting. I don't believe that has to go through any legislative process. I think that in the bankruptcy right. with them overseeing it as as trustees and receivers, they just make them when they want. They got their corporations now. Uh, my understanding is each one of them are a separate corporation. Uh but I think they just dictate it out of some uh, right out of the synagogue back room or something hell who knows right know? and that's why i mean she was really thinking about it and she said i think you're going to have to look and research this under historical books because they don't have anything that they could refer me to well let's go back and just look at yep. skull at this for a second the administrative state and all these agencies came out of the bankruptcy and um fdr had enough problems getting his policies through there in the 30s because they all got not all of them but a number of the higher profile ones got taken to the supreme court and the supreme court knocked them down okay so obviously they didn't it doesn't they weren't going to send all of that through congress to get okayed i i think that they are doing it under the umbrella and auspices of bankruptcy myself but well, you know, maybe we'll find get an answer to that. It's just kind of a kind of titillating little question, isn't? It? How do these five hundred organizations here come about? Right, and so I'm going to use um, I'm going to like research, you know, how the ATF came about because that I can remember mm-hmm. when that occurred. So I thought I would start there because that's I can tell you recent. where I can tell you where to start on that one. Yeah, um, under revenueers. Okay. Probably go back to, and you might uh, anchor this actually in what I heard it mentioned the other day, the Whiskey Rebellion. When okay. uh, uh, when they went after the Scotch-Irish for uh, not paying the taxes on the whiskey, and as Brent was talking about on here one day that I didn't realize is those were the people that were really into distilling spirits and stuff, and not necessarily to drink it, although I'm sure they did, but they used it as currency. They were way back in the woods of western Pennsylvania. Right. They didn't have circulating currency. Hell, the country was broke. They just won a revolution. They were still paying off the debt to a guy named Morris and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they were after revenue. I believe Hamilton was in on that also. And that probably will be your genesis of it if you go back and really do a thorough job. Okay. Yeah, the librarians at the Los Angeles Main Library um, I knew quite a few of them quite well, and they're very helpful too. So, um, as long as you know, 
it's mask free, I'll be in there. Right. Searching. Now, Los Angeles used to have one of the first electric bus systems in the country, and the Rockefellers got all those knocked out of any metropolitan area so they could sell them gasoline and create, uh, you know, miles of, of gridlock on the expressways. Uh, you don't have a bus system there in Los Angeles, do you? No, we do. We had we had the red car rail system, which was very very extensive, and that's what not just the oil industry, but some other um, individuals had a self interest in removing the uh-huh. rail system. Uh, yeah, yeah. The so, Firestones were one of them. The people that made tires. Okay. Yeah. And. I don't remember all the details, but it was very, very extensive. And somebody did a map that reflected the old system compared to the rail system that we have now. Right. And it's um, it's really quite um, it's really interesting because Los Angeles, the size of the city itself, for decades had really no interest in rebuilding the system. Um, it's something just of recent that it, they've decided to take on. And it was a really crackerjack bus system. I've seen some pictures of it, you know, old footage and stuff. And it was just, it was very efficient and it really worked for them. And uh, here come the bad guys. Oh, we want to make more money. Yeah, man, man. We want to cause good luck. So, and, so we do have a bus system. When you read their internal documents, their bus system was basically geared toward indigenous communities, the very poor in communities. Right, understandably. So they never really cared about everybody using the bus system or having the option to use the bus system. So, um, including the rail system. I mean, I lived in L.A. in L.A. area, county, for since 2003, and to be honest with you, I never knew they had an underground rail system until, <laughs> you know, maybe like 10, 50, you know, fifteen years ago. Was, I, didn't, I didn't know I they. Like, I didn't know they had coming out of this. Coming I, out of I didn't know they had one until you just said it. Yep. So they do have. Um, so they have Metro, mm-hmm. and then they have um, Dash, and Dash runs. Locally, downtown L.A., which I don't use anymore right now because they became mask Nazis, and I refuse to wear a mask on the buses and on the train. And um, so their bus system, I mean, compared to other places, it's not bad. Uh Um, But I would never, ever, I mean, I'm a car person. I I love driving, and I would never tell anybody, um, you know, I mean, when when people look at me and say, oh, how wonderful, you take the bus. And I'm like, hell no. I said, it, I hate it. I can't stand it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very gonna... limiting. So it makes a lot of, you know, I have a real personal interest now when I hear, you know, how they want to, like, impose electrical cars on everybody. Oh, and Lord, try that's to do coming. all this stuff. Yes. I mean, yeah, and these bus systems, unlike in New York, I mean, New York and Boston, you can get all over the place on their rail system Mm -hmm. in no time. Mm -hmm. And here in L.A., it's not so. And everything is like you have to plan your whole day going in one direction. 
you can't easily divert your uh, your plan and head off into another. I direction. heard I heard Mike so, Adams make a comment the other day in one of his updates that I thought was pretty appropriate and wanted to mention it here because it's something I'm considering doing too. Uh, some of you people that are in those situations really might consider acquiring a bicycle. As the price of gasoline gets higher and anything that's real close and good exercise and all that, that may be a really good acquisition for folks. I've been wanting, uh, thinking quite a bit about going and getting one myself just for the exercise factor and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, uh, what we're, uh, you, you brought something to the, somebody's rustling around there. You brought something to us right before we went on the air and you were reading some kind of an IRS deal. And, uh, yeah. So that's why I asked you to hold it until yep. we could get on the air, not just uh, acquiring, because I'm curious about this law library that you're so close to, and to find out it's the second biggest one in the country's pretty amazing. But I wanted you to read what uh, what you were reading to us, and I was flashing when you were reading it back on the when I first got into this, and the uh, they'd send out IRS. I don't know if they still do. They send you stuff in the mail all the time, like booklets and 1040s and all that stuff, or have they changed? little bit in that does anybody get and i don't get anything like that in the mail okay well 30 years ago we used to okay and they'd send out a booklet like a tabloid newspaper almost and i remember on the front that it would say our our tax system is based on voluntary compliance and that was a big joke because they didn't understand the voluntary servitude position they were in First of all, they thought they were talking about volunteering into this tax system. So anyway, and that what you read this morning was a bit different, and they've uh, they've been monkeying around with their words here, these boys. So uh, I wanted to bring that up for the audience. So, and I can't take credit for finding this. This is somebody who hasn't paid taxes for I don't know twenty eight years. Oh, so it good. Was on, it was on his website, but I went back and checked. And so this is 1.5.2.3, and it's under authorities. That, and it's, is that a CFR site? No, One point? it's the IRS. It, well, right now I double-checked it on the IRS website. When I go to the library, I'm actually going to go and see. It doesn't have, like, CFR at the first of that because that no. sounds like a CFR section. No, but I'm going to check in the book when I go to the library. Okay, all right. So it looks like this was revised in January 14th, 2015, and the subheading is authorities. So listen to the word carefully. Um, One, our system of taxation depends on the taxpayer's belief that, colon, A, the tax laws they follow apply to everyone, B, the IRS will respect and protect the rights under the law. So what I found fascinating is that they use the word belief. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the taxpayer's belief. So it's like a religious institution or a cult. Do you know know, where you could exchange that word for faith? Um, Let me bring something to the forefront here, a Supreme Court case on IRS. <coughs> Excuse me, I got something down my throat the wrong way. <coughs> there was a Supreme Court case. This is why they are so cautious about who they go after for criminal stuff. And um, 
and because they don't want to get egg in their face. And if they lose these big cases, it makes them look bad, and they're trying to scare the hell out of you. Okay. And the uh, the name of this, I used to fumble for the name, but I got it here recently. Cheek versus U.S. Have you heard of that, Nastasha? Cheek. Yeah. I don't remember Cheek's first name. Cheek was a airline pilot. I don't know which airline he flew for in Chicago, I believe. And um, he was not didn't file, and they came after him for what they do when you don't file. If they want to use you for criminal bait that they can hang up and dangle out there, they'll uh, come after you for willful failure to file. Well, there's your word right there. You talk about belief that is tied back to willfulness. And Cheek beat him in the Supreme Court. Okay, and for a few years there was a lot of attorneys that were using tax attorneys that were using what they call the cheek defense or the willfulness defense, and it had a willful failure to file. Well, it wasn't willful. I'd done back and done my research, and I couldn't find any law, which is one thing they used to use to throw around a lot. But that 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 little willfulness and exactly parallel to what you're reading us on belief there uh got cheek out and got got some other people gave the irs for fits for years i'm not sure how they're dealing with it now because we approach these guys differently and i try to avoid them as much as possible and all their crap but anyway there's a parallel there for you so then what i find interesting because i was going through the table of contexts um contents around you know 1.5.2.3 and in 1998 there was an irs restructuring and reform act (laughs) and was put into place to ensure irs manages statistics to protect taxpayer rights sure so 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 when you go back to um the table of contents so they have section 1204 employees so this is the internal i believe that this is the internal administrative um manual Mm -hmm. and which i that i found inside um the library which is quite interesting i was going through that so this says um section 1204 employee and then there's a whole discussion on imposing a production quota or goal, suggesting a production quota or goal, and then another section on tax enforcement results, mm. tiers, permitted use of tiers, prohibited use of tiers, and when you that's a good that's a good analogy for them. An acronym is tiers. Boy, they bring yeah. some tiers, don't they? <laughs> cry me a river uh, cry me a river victim yeah (laughs) um so rotors or data statistics and compilation of information or other numerical or quantitative quantitative um recordations of the tiers reached in one or more cases rotors (laughs) include that are not limited to number of lean number of levies served so then it goes on to where what's permitted um, of their use and they're not to be used in the employee valuation they're not to be used to um, a manager is to self um, evaluate that he has not put or it, or implied to an employee that they are to reach a quota or that oh, their no. evaluation is based on how much of these 
tears or rotor um, items they've um, achieved during the year. I mean, I have to go through this more in detail, but okay, it's, so, it's like it's almost like you're a masochist to do it. I mean, yeah. you're inflicting all this pain on yourself to plow through all that crap. <laughs> it's true. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. That's yeah, one of the reasons yeah, know, we're here today dealing with jurisdiction is because we can go back and slit their throat now real easy rather than going through all these people that have been fighting these sons of bitches for so long and all of the tears, uh, tears uh, all of the sorrow, all the bankruptcies, all the suicides, all the broken right. families, all the alienation of children, all the things that have come from these sorry bastards over all these decades. Okay. Uh, and uh, it just it, it, it's uh, it's unreal that you can go yeah. to the front page of the book and find their jurisdictional statement. If you understand what they're doing in the system, they're done. It's very easy now. OK, imagine all these people, all these decades that have gone in there, rifle through all these incredibly hard and difficult to understand regulations to try and fight these sorry international thugs. Uh, Nastasha, have you been around since we were talking about and it kind of comes to mind here as you're reading this to us? Have you ever heard of a program, uh, a software program that was around about 30 years ago called Gramatech? It's in the early you days. Remind, you re, you the, reminded me of it. I do vaguely remember to where okay. you, when you mentioned it, um, uh, how you can check the quality of your writing. Right. It was a. It was before all these big companies started bundling, you know, and putting yeah. all these things together. And this is in the early nineties, and uh, and the real proliferation of personal computers in that age, right then. And uh, this was, if I remember correctly, it was written, this program was written under a federal grant of some sort, somebody. And so it was mainly, it was called Gramatech. Some of you wireheads will remember this. It was called Gramatech, and you could run whatever you written through it, and it would pick up grammar errors and punctuation errors and all that kind of stuff. And then one of the unique attributes it had is you could take something that's written and run it through it, and it would tell you what grade level it was written at. Now, the three, if you've had any experiences with these uh, individuals representing Satan, the three uh, parts of the code that they'll throw at you are 6001, 6011, and 6012, best of my memory. And uh, they're kind of catch-alls that they throw at everybody. Well, somebody took those three sections and ran them through Gramatech. And I don't remember. Well, two of One of them was written at grade level 31. The other was written at grade level 33. So, you know, you got to be a... You got to be at the top of your game to read these things, huh? <laughs> and then there's a great quote that John and Glenn dug up. I, I want to say the guy's name, maybe Barkley, comes to mind. And uh, he was a really, really high profile senator, uh, head of the House, Senate Ways and Means Committee. Evidently, back in the 40s, they had a Ways and Means Committee in the Senate. And he was uh, president pro tem of the Senate, and he uh, resigned, and he actually had. The senators, a majority of senators, wrote him a letter and signed it, begging him to come back. They loved his leadership so much. He was talking about running for president back then. I think his name's Barkley. And anyway, one of the the little quote that John and Glenn dug up, and he's 
he's going, you know, Ways and Means comes up with all the money, right? There comes up with all the budgets and budgeting stuff, what they're going to spend. And so um, he goes, uh, every year we have the folks from Treasury over and we stress that we're trying to simplify the tax code make it more understandable and every year they go back to treasury and they bring us something back that only solomon and all of his wise men could interpret (laughs) at grade level 33 (laughs) so anyway i just had to add those because it's so appropriate for what you're putting us through reading this stuff here (laughs) and then what's interesting is that when you go to their codes when they um they base it on the fact that because they've published it, then you know. Yeah. And I was. And what are they talking about? What are they talking about publishing it? Federal Register, the regulations. Right. And then, you know, I want to look at a judge and say, do you just wait for weighted breath to, for these publications to come out each year? I mean, in your life. Oh, every at, morning. Every morning you know, when yeah. you over coffee, I'm on the Federal Register, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the number of um, <laughs> volumes that are published, you know, per year. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Or, I think it's every four years that they publish it. And it's... Um, it's staggering how many pages yeah, are, are in the are in the administrative code throughout all this Code of Federal yeah. Regulations. I've seen, I just can't remember the figures, but it's something, it's like, it's just mind-boggling how much paper yeah. and rules they, they churn out here, our buddies. Yeah. <laughs> so belief is now the big word well i don't believe anymore sorry boys right <laughs> right oh lord and of then mercy. just to i i can't speak to it um but i will say that yesterday i went to um a federal tax court hearing oh and i right. went as a witness for somebody uh-huh and um did you and get- i can't I can't speak to it, but it was quite interesting, and it's a. It was only a hearing, an administrative hearing, uh-huh. and so it, it, wasn't was a, actually, it wasn't a tax court session. It was a, just an administrative hearing. Somebody trying to exhaust their administrative remedies. Correct, mm-hmm. and um, it's going to actually potentially go to trial, um, but it's all based on what the IRS is calling frivolous filings oh it's that little game okay yeah. well are you, you are you and you are were tapped to potentially be a witness in that right well not to be a verbal witness but to be oh to witness the proceeding there. gotcha yeah uh okay we'll play you know it's just so that's let really us, interesting I, as well. my my prognostication is whoever it is and I, is they're going to get ruled against but please keep us in the loop on that as it goes forward if it does especially go to trial i don't know i've seen anybody f- challenge their frivolous filing deals uh these this um, couple, they're challenging, and they're pretty, from my limited knowledge, they're covering all their bases. I, and, um, you know, I had a, one of these letters from one of Ralph's guys. At least they're giving them a run for their money, I'll tell you that. Well, it's, I, I'm glad to see, you know, unfortunately, they're probably going to end up uh, falling short for the finish line just the way things happen, you know. But this guy had some kind of a situation where, the judge had ordered him to file. I don't. I don't. He didn't give me all the background. If he did, I didn't remember it. You know, these people sending me all this stuff to read and these long, involved stories. Uh, but um, 
the uh, the judge in some kind of a proceeding ordered him to file four years. And so he did like an Irwin Schiff's zero return thing or something. And so now I, I think they were they'd sentenced him for maybe failure to file and they ordered him I think he had four years up against him. Okay. Forty eight months or six months or something. And then the judge comes back and orders him to file for four years. These four years he didn't file. And he goes back and files these zero returns, and then they hit him with $20,000 worth of frivolous filing penalties on top of 48 months in jail already. And, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just heartbreaking to me, the stories that these I hear from these bastards, and I've been watching them for an awful long time. Does anybody remember a movie from about 30 years ago called Harry's War? Nobody remembers that. You may want to look around and see if you can find that. I believe it was Harry's War, and it was about one guy's campaign against the IRS, you know, kind of like fashioned after Red Beckman or something. I believe they took a bulldozer and bulldozed down his house or something in that movie. But I'm not wrong. It's been a long time. Anyway, uh, a real horror story from the uh, individuals representing Satan who aren't even a government agency. Nothing but foreign agents masquerading. Here we go with the little game again, masquerading as agents. So, well, Nastasha, keep us up on all all that. I'm really proud to see you in the law library. Did you go? Let me just ask you a, a question here. Did you go and look at words and phrases? Oh, yes. <laughs> Is that an unbelievable set of books? Unbelievable. Yeah, the word person um, covers 196 pages <laughs> in word and phrases. <laughs> for the audience it's a group of books reference books in a law library and they go through through all these court cases and pull out important words and phrases and then they compile them over in the words and phrases uh, uh, volumes and so you can go and identify a word or a phrase and it'll give you all these different court cases where it's been used and if you're going back and researching a particular word or a phrase boy that's invaluable resource yeah. right there and it's it's um, you can go through like the 196 pages, and I was first looking for the um, court cases in like 1860. I was looking for the earliest cases. Right. So you can pull them out that way as well. Uh-huh. Um, I believe words and phrases. The books. I think it's under Wes. They're available. I'm, online. Sure, I'm sure it is. I mean, there you can search online. Yeah. But um, I like having the hard copy in front of me. Yeah. But it's. Um, um, you know, silly me, I thought I was going to find one of those big Oxford type dictionaries. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and when she, uh, the librarian brought me over to where it was located because I couldn't initially find it, um, I went, Oh my God, silly me. Here's like 48 plus volumes. <laughs> yeah, right. It's amazing. It, it takes up the whole bookshelf. It's a great. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, I'm so, glad to see yeah, you in you. there. Thank yeah, you for you're very me about ah, you're very welcome. Law libraries are a fascinating place, really, when you get in there and kind of yeah. get learn your way around a little bit, especially one like you've got at your disposal right there. Yeah. This huge federal depository, excellent, Nastasha. Uh, okay, you. let me bring up a little housekeeping here. Uh, I got an email last night from uh, my new friend Sarah Westall, and she said that she's starting to release the. Uh, I think there's three segments um at least two and maybe three segments of the interview we did she doesn't like to do programs over an hour long and so she breaks them up and of course as you guys know 
there ain't no way to cover all this adequately in a couple hours okay just not any way to do it for the average person you're talking to but anyway so that starts today and she was saying brace yourself brace yourself and for all these i guess she's been getting a lot of negative feedback but look at the people she's had on you know uh anna and her bunch and some of these other ones and i can understand why people uh, uh come back and reply and kind of beat her up a little bit was the impression i got from what she said and i just said look I, for 11 years what i do is put facts out there i connect dots and people can disagree with that if they want but nobody's ever disproven a fact i've put out there on this stuff not a major one maybe some minor ones i got a year wrong or something like that or somebody's name uh wrong but you know the major things there's never been anybody that's disproven anything so my answer to sarah was if anybody does do that i guess that's all right but they really don't need to come talk to me they need to go and find out whoever's at the secretary of state and find out from them why the hell they're still accepting these things and go over there to the department of justice and ask merrick garland why they're not prosecuting some of them because i'm gonna tell you they take passport fraud they take it real seriously okay and if there was any of that going on there we'd, we'd hear we'd, we'd heard a bunch of squalls from our people already we've never even heard a little whimper all right and of course we know the reason is because it's accurate these other people don't so uh if you're new um you may want to look for that i think it's sarah she's got her own website sarahwestall.com i believe but she also posts on all the usual suspects bit shooting and um all the rest of them so anyway rumble ramble whatever it is rumble i guess and all that kind of stuff so if you want to see that my uh little caveat is um as we started i told sarah that she said she was talking to me or something i said well i like the conversational aspect of, of this stuff so she said oh great so she was asking me a bunch of questions that kind of are you know here to ask me this question i'm and i'm going to say well i'm going to cover it in just a minute if you'll let me get to it you know that kind of a thing so i was distracted in there and i uh i just remember that was the impression i had from the time we spent together but you guys can hear it today especially if you're new and i would imagine as that gets cranking here in the next few days we're going to see uh some sort of an influx of folks here over at jitsi and new listeners and whatnot with questions and all that which is great uh, because everybody learns so anyway the sarah west all things about ready to break and i was going to send her a, an email because she told me she was good friends with sean over there at sgt and i i, I desperately want and i haven't done it yet but i still may just write her an inform a little email say you need to get a hold of your good friend sean over there and tell him he's putting a lot of people on here on his program and his platform which are putting out really bad erroneous information honestly so uh because uh, we've seen a couple the the uh anna and a round table and then these two tax guys that who was it mike came on and talked about seeing it the other day he was on there last week and i mean holy smokes they had horrible stuff their stuff was just horrible okay and they're sitting there acting like they're authorities and unfortunately the people that are really looking for answers see something like that it comes from a credible source and uh they they bite it hook line and sinker and now when they do find us if they do we got to go in there and 
you know pull all that bad information out with a damn pair of pliers and try and replant it with with good viable information so anyway that uh, uh that's going on with the sarah westall thing wanted to mention it we got any other uh follow-up comments from anything we've had go on this week or anything anybody wanted to bring forward we've had some real good shows this week i thought so far so if you're wanting don't put your hand up just take your mute off and say hey roger and let's get started okay. with whatever there's one right there see chummed one up already morning hi roger it's jason hey jason um i may be looking for a new job now and oh lucky you um what and if you have an archive or something, that's fine. I can go back and look at it. But what I'm more asking about is as far as like 1099s and W-2s and 4s and all that goes, how do you handle that situation so you don't re-volunteer? Um, well, you wouldn't re-volunteer necessarily, but what the, we used to advise to people was, you know, there's a standard rule that I've learned the hard way years ago, and that is nobody that you work for is going to fight your IRS battle for you. They're, they're more scared of them than you are, honestly, So uh, generally. And so what we used to suggest people do is take that W, was it W-4, and just put that you had nine employ, uh, dependents, and that way <coughs> they wouldn't withhold a bunch, and you wouldn't have to file necessarily to go back and get that those funds retrieved but uh and i think it was nastasha actually that uh dug up a a, a w4v form so you might yeah. want to write that down jason a w4v and uh, acquire it should you get a new job i it looks like to me that either supplements or takes the place of a w4 and down on i think it's option number seven you can check. It says I'm exempt from federal taxation. Now, that is the correct approach on your W-4 or W-4V, even if you have to write it in on W-4. And I haven't seen one of those forms since Old Blue is a pup, okay? So I don't know uh, what they look like or anything else. And I hate all that kind of crap, quite frankly. But somebody was saying on a W-4 you could write in there uh, exempt from federal taxation. And uh, if they if they give you any crap about it, give them a copy of your affidavit. Because here's what people are looking for. The IRS doesn't want the companies now because they've placed them in a unique position of a withholding agent. Okay, so they've made your employers the tax collectors, right? And so they in that capacity they don't want to fight them but if they come to them and ask them anything specifically if they've if they've got your affidavit on file or they've got you writing in on that and signing it exempt from federal taxation well they go well look here here's this and here's this affidavit that they gave me and they send that to the irs so now they've got a scapegoat they can get their butts off the hook okay and now anything that's there is going to reflect on you. If it's wrong, they'll come after you. If it's right, they won't. And so we know it's right, and we haven't heard any backlash on that. That's how I'd kind of suggest people doing it, Jason. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I've, I've come across the W-4B in my other studies. And then um, are you familiar at all with the strategy of, uh, I think it's a W-8 
BEN? We've talked about it. It's come up here before. I'm not real familiar with it, but I know other people said they've used it successfully. Okay. I, you know, I, the reason I'm on this jurisdictional thing is because I hate that stuff so much. I mean, you've been studying it. Obviously, you've been looking into it. Do you understand why I feel that way? <laughs> oh, Roger, I've been through. I've been through. Um, er, you know, I've been at this for about 10 years. And early on, you know, you, you start trying to go through the codes and stuff, and you just pull your hair out. Oh, it's, it's, it's meant to you do that. <laughs> yeah, there's no foundation. Um it's interesting uh, you know i and i haven't mentioned this before but i've thought about it a couple of times when we weren't on the air and we talk about all the time how they've got their jurisdictional statement there on the first page all in uh, an income taxes owed by all individuals who are citizens of the united states and residents yada yada over on the next page if you flip it over they've got a, a number of questions and one of them is who's a citizen and they put right there anyone born or naturalized in in the jurisdiction subject to the jurisdiction thereof in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof it's right there just paraphrasing the 14th amendment so jason then i'm i'm assuming that you're you're kind of pleased that you stumbled on us and found a way to simply uh, uh go in and negate all this and approach it and understand it and cut these uh, these little bastards, little gonads off at the pass? Well, one, you have the simplest method. And two, something I want to say, too, because I've been through Bill Thornton, Carl Rentz. Um, I've read um, Fruit from a Poisonous Tree. What is it? Uh, Mel Stamper. Stamper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mel Stamper. Um, I've read your book. I've been through Anna Von Wrights and David Strait. <laughs> You have you've made the whole gamut, haven't you? Well, you dropped some names of some older people that I haven't yet. Phil and, Marsh, Phil Marsh, and Al Carter, and some of those guys. Yeah, some that are before my time. Uh huh. But here's the one thing I found out. You know, if people are asking you for money or selling a product, be very cautious. A caveat emptor is the phrase. Yeah, because. And in, in the more it seems like the bigger the price tag is on any of this stuff, too, the yeah. more um, the more baseless it is. Could be. And and the ones that have offered any value are putting out the information for free, although sometimes they charge for seminars and stuff. But they they understand one thing: freedom's not free, as you say, and everyone has to put in their own work so they can stand on their own two feet. Well, it's your freedom, you know. I mean, I can't sell it to you. I I can't force you to take it. I can't do any of that. It's got to be a, your own initiative. It's got to be your own desire and to go in there and start learning this stuff because you got to set your life on the side unless it just really interests you. Now, there's a lot of people that stumble into this. They just they they've been looking like you so long for so many so many years for answers and they've been for the most part totally frustrated and all of a sudden you just get into this big drink of cool good water and that's what this information is okay and it's just truthful especially for some of you folks that have been around the gamut and seen some of these other programs and listened to some of these other people and you get here and get this stuff in front of you and all the dust just settles you know and uh, it makes perfect sense. It all fits together, and it all works. And we've got a track record now that's pretty, 
pretty damn unblemished okay for a long time over 10 years dealing with these creeps is a pretty uh it's like being a 50-year wedding anniversary or something it's got a lot of longevity in it you know but i appreciate folks that come to us like you jason uh that have uh, been journeymen around this uh community and uh learned the hard way what you kind of do and don't do so glad to have you with these questions and this insight yeah, thanks, Roger, for taking my question, and thanks so much for the daily radio show. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, it's the high point of my day. I did. I got a lot of selfish motivation here, Jason, because I just love doing this. I love getting together with you people on a regular basis for a couple hours a day. It's the high point of my day. I just love the relationship that we all have, and even though we don't know each other and may never even meet, you know, we connect on this real, real stream of just unadulterated truth. And when you connect on this level of truth, then you're kind of of a like mind in the first place or else you wouldn't be seeking it and be here. Okay. And so everything else just falls in line. And remember the, remember the, whoever's, whoever's messing around, could you put your mute on? Whoever's got that on a little bit and distracting. Thank you. I was thinking last night about the two, uh, uh, two advertising campaigns that I that have stuck with me over many decades that were very effective. Uh, one of them was the old Volkswagen ad from back in the '60s. Of uh, it showed a, a, a guy that was a snowplow driver, and the question was showed the little scene there in the short commercial and said, "How does the guy that drives the snowplow get to the snowplow?" Very effective, of course, because Volkswagens are air cooled. Okay. Uh, the other one was you meet the nicest people on a Honda. And I was thinking about that. I thought, well, you know, that kind of goes and dovetails in with what we do here. And uh, you, you you meet the nicest people at the radio ranch. Okay. And I'm just thrilled that all you people coming and the growth that we've experienced and the fact that people are looking for answers and they're finding us. And we'll have even more of them after this Sarah Westall thing gets out and increase our numbers a bit and get a little more momentum going. And uh, it's just real refreshing. And I enjoy I enjoy it as much as as many of you do, if not more, quite honestly. Hey, Roger. Yeah. This is Mike from Birmingham. Hey, hey how you Mike. doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I could have used a little more sleep last night, but that's okay. Uh, I just got this feeling. I don't, I don't know what it is, but been watching all this news of all these processing centers being burning and shutting down and exploding and all this fuel problem. So what I done was I bought two brand new inner tubes for my bike, took it out, made sure everything works on it because I live five miles from work. So I'm ready. I yeah, think they're going to shut the power off, the I, fuel, the food. They're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at us, folks. They've got thousands of years riding on this. They've been totally exposed because of all these circumstances that have happened to them. They realize if they don't get it now that many of them are going to end up in a bad situation, and they're going for the gold ring, and they're going for broke here. You can expect them to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. And unfortunately, it's you guys in the U.S. and Europe that are going to get the brunt of this. You know, people have been saying for many decades that when it comes down, the USA is going to be ground zero, and that's what you're seeing. I mean, they're not burning down food processing plants here in Ecuador. They did, however, 
raised the price of gasoline in Ecuador here just recently. And, you know, you, you may not know, probably don't, that Ecuador is an OPEC country. We're actually a member of OPEC. They got a pretty sizable bunch of oil here. And uh, what they did was kind of clever is that they went and doubled the price of premium and left the price of regular where it was. So it's the people that have bought the real expensive new cars that have to burn premium <laughs> that have got it stuck up their barracks bag here. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to handle it, actually. Well, I just thought people need to go to the pawn shop and get him a bike. I'm telling you, man, I bet that's been on my mind for weeks for other reasons. But uh, I'm I'm going to start going and looking and getting me some kind of one. Of course, this is a little bit hilly around here and stuff, which makes it a little more of a challenge. But I think that's if you've got a situation where you're not, you know, 20 miles out in the country like some of our folks are, uh, and that it still might be viable then get a backpack and a, and a bicycle. And when gas is going to get up to 11 to 15 plus dollars a gallon, uh, that might, uh, facilitate you getting a little exercise. Somebody was trying to jump in there a second ago. Who was that? This is uh, John from Utah. Hey, John morning. Hey, good morning. Um, so a couple of things, I hope I remember all this stuff anyway. Um, you were mentioning about Mike Adams, and on one of his um, presentations, he was talking about the bicycle. And in fact, I'm trying to think who is the. Um, she's this one lady that's really out there. You know, her name will come to me, but you know, she'd been Anna Anna Von Wright. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's she's old school. She had served in the government. You know, assistant, deputy, something oh, or another. Oh, Pe- Peggy Real- Hall, is that it? No, no. She's older lady, older lady, and she's, she's, she's visible, okay? And anyway, so she has a, a newsletter. Gosh, Ka- Catherine Austin Fitz. Oh, okay. Catherine Austin Fitz, right. She, she, I think she's got her feet on the ground. Okay? She does. And, and so... And she's telling people, she says, go get a damn bicycle. Right, right. right? And this woman has been in high finance and all kinds of stuff. Right? Yeah. And, and also, you know, her comment, she said, look, she said, in the end, she said, this goes down. She says, it's all going to be about community, the food, you know, working together and all this kind of stuff. And, and she's a global thinker, you know. Yes, she with, is. You know, she do- definitely believes in acting local. Okay, so move on to Mike Adams. And I heard him say about the bicycle situation, he has a four-wheeler, a four-wheeler. Right. And, and so I don't know if it's kind of a, an incumbent type of style. Maybe. I don't know. But his, he, he was saying, well, hell, he said, if I've got to go and visit my neighbors that are, you know, a little distance away and I've got to pick up vegetables and all this kind of stuff, uh, he said, I've got a cart and he said, I've got stability. He says... I'll pretty much have the road to myself at that point if it, that's required, and uh, and he says, and I could do some hauling, you know, a little bit with this this four wheeler. All that, and, yeah. and so anyway, I thought that w- that was interesting. They're and very, he, uh, they're very. Uh, I, I want to use the word ambidextrous in the things you can do with it, of course. And I would advise to look at a four wheeler instead of a three wheeler because those three wheelers can flip. Good point. I, d- I did many somersaults with my tricycle as a kid. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so Three points anyway. make a plane, but they ain't real stable sometimes. No kidding. No kidding. And, and also, I remember uh, Mike Adams 
saying just recently, and he said this was relative to water. Now, I'm sure he filters, but he say, made the statement. He said, I only drink rainwater. Right. I heard him say that. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting comment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so um, the other thing is I wanted to mention my progress on my passport application. Okay. So as I mentioned, that my passport um, had expired right from now you and you old. wrote me and you wrote me an email about this yesterday yes too. yes 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 okay so yes. go ahead yeah. so i was so you know then i i looked on the site so i it was determined that i need to go in person because it was over 15 years so even though it was expired and i did find out that i can use my expired passport in lieu of a birth certificate Oh, now that is a very valuable piece of information. And what I'd heard recently, because, you know, if you go and present the passport to people, they go, well, it's expired. I go, well, well, hell, I'm not expired. It's me, you know. So the point is you can use it for identification, even though it's expired 15 years or more, but you can't use it actively to go travel and do things. Well, I don't know about it being an identification, but in this case, as you as you know, that um, as long as it's not mutilated or some such thing or lost, stolen type of deal, mm-hmm. and you have an expired passport, um, then I I need to surrender it. So, and that's why oh, I would you, be required. If I think it's within that fifteen year range, and what they'll do, I may be wrong on this, but I, if it's older than that, I don't think they necessarily want you to send it in with your package. If it's newer than that, they do, and the reason for that. Okay is they'll send it back to you with three holes punched in it. Okay. So this is my understanding, though, is that, you know, from what I've seen online, I've not gone to see someone yet, which is another part of the story, um, is that at least here, you know, in in Utah, that, uh, I, you know, and they had a number of, um, you know, I'll call them, you know, agent sites, you know, like the county clerk's office, the public library downtown, you know, and, and the various post offices, et cetera, et cetera, sometimes city halls. So there was, and they have a search engine on the, uh, actually the USPS.com site for the post office. Uh, that's one way to look that up uh, under their, what's called quick tools. Or if you go to the government passport site and, and kind of meander through that, then it will show up, uh, you know, where you can make an appointment and your status, meaning, you know, is this a renewal? Is this, you know, a new passport? So because mine's over 15 years old from the date of issuance, then that's expired. Okay. Yes. But, and, and if I understand what they're saying online, and I'll see what happens when I get there, but uh, what they're saying online is that I need to bring that in. And if it's in, you know, amenable shape, then I need to submit that to the agent and they will send that forward that in so i never see that again okay i think they send it back to you and the reason for that is because it's your property you paid for it okay um okay anyway my experience is i've gotten three passports now okay okay and the first one was lost or stolen it was the second one the temporary one when i turned it in to get my second permanent one which is now expired they got me my temporary back with three holes punched in it okay so i'd be shocked if they don't get it back to you the reason is is because it's your property you contracted with them and to get it and paid for it so i doubt that they keep it 
So, and if I do get it back, it'll be sometime this summer, I suppose. Uh, it could be. Um, you know, I know yeah. this. If you've got, and we got people that are doing, that are in this situation, if you've got one that's active right now, you right. definitely got to send that in with their, your renewal form. Okay. Right. And they will send that back to you lickety split. I mean, in return mail. Okay. Got and it. then the one you've paid for, your new one under your new legal identity, will come back at, after it gets processed. Right. And and also my understanding is that if you're within the re- renewal period, you know, within that 15 years and that you need to send, you can, I believe, if I read right, that you can mail that in with your application. But in my case or with a new passport, like you were pointing out to me earlier, um, that I need to go see an agent directly. Well, the reason is anytime you're doing a DS-11, and this is an interesting topic on this because it gives you a little insight. Um, anytime you're doing a DS-11, the initial one, <coughs> or my passport's older than 15 years, they want you, as it says there above the oath in big bold letters, stop, do not sign unless in the presence of an administrating official. So that's what you're talking about. So the, uh, these yep. other satellite offices that you can search up and go to are obviously all accredited authorizing officials or else you wouldn't go to them. And especially because they want those kind of people that are authorized to witness that signature. Now, you know, the question I like to ask, John, have you ever seen another government document that you had to go in front of an authorized agent or if there's not one go in front of a judge go hunt up a judge to sign in front of i've never heard of another one other than this one well the only thing that i'm familiar with in terms of a a, quote authorized agent of some kind would be a marriage license yep okay so why is that well this because this is the one place they've got to put the fraud and your chance to get out of this in front of you and they've got to do it to make it constitutional and pass constitutional muster okay and so that what they do in those parameters is like the people well i didn't see a check mark here where it says i'm a national well no kidding (laughs) okay and i mean you can see the links that they go to to hide and obfuscate this all right and then because of its incredible importance on you generally not finding those things and going ahead out of sheer ignorance functional illiteracy if you will and move forward signing it and signing your way into the presumption that you're in a surf that's exactly why all that's done is because mm. this is the one place that they've got to. In other words, remember we talked the other day about regulations and general applicability, okay? Right. But public information gathering requests, that, that this fits those two categories. It's a public information gathering request. It's probably the only one the State Department puts out, quite frankly, okay? Mm-hmm. And of this importance, too. And uh, so that's why they do all this, and that's why they've had to do it. So... Uh, you know, and it just tickles me to death when our people go, well, I didn't see a place I could check. Say I'm a national. <laughs> <laughs> now, on this on this note, Roger, and this is something I had, you know, communicated with you just, you know, re- very recently. OK. And, 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 and you respond. Thank you for that. Um, what I thought, bec- you know, that there would be not a checkbox for, you know, oh, I'm a national or I'm going to be one one day uh, that. Uh, I was thinking, okay, you know, attached is my 
citizenship correct uh, my, uh, citizenship evidence that's correct. what i was thinking it was so there was no indication so basically you know if i'm sending in it in the mail which i i'm not and i can't then you know i can attach my cover letter and that was what that was all about and then i'm thinking okay if i go to an agent and let's just go on you know if i walk away and they go well hell i'm not submitting that then I, you know the affidavit part of it but the good news is I already have what I call the teaser, you know, and, and I've got that return card that I know they received it. Yes. So that's another good reason mm-hmm. to, to do it that way that mm-hmm. you've been recommending. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so on that note, though, so there was, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to have some kind of faith. Well, here you go. Here's the affidavit. And, you know, you're going to send this through as a package. Okay. What was interesting is that, and, and it's only because of the stuff that you've been you know, sharing with us that I looked carefully in the language, and there was something in the in the uh, the government passport section relative to this with application. And then they said, you know, I you can, you might, you may, you know, that kind of language. Submit a second copy, a second copy of citizenship evidence. Huh. Okay, well, I've never seen that, but what I was going to draw out is is it's, you may want to, and I told you you could do this if you want to, John. There's no set rules here necessarily except the ones they set, uh, you know, that you need to follow explicitly, like don't fa- deface the form. Uh, and they tell you you can do this, but they don't tell you in a way you can understand. And they do it in the instructions with that big black box warning, W-A-R-N-I-N-G, warning. You can attach right. documentation, comma, including affidavit. They don't tell you why. They don't tell you what it'll do. They tell you in the oath, but only as a throwaway. Uh, but the most telling part is the oath itself, and where it says twice there, I swear under penalty of perjury I'm a citizen of the United States or a non-citizen national and have not since acquiring United States citizenship or U.S. nationality violated any of the acts and conditions listed under page whatever of the instructions. Parentheses, unless explanatory statement is attached. So right there is what there. Here's two things on this nebulous, uh, confusing citizenship status. And then here's this thing. If you've been boinking little boys or girls or smuggling cocaine out of South America and got caught or something, that's what it's referred to. We want an explanatory statement. And they say it right there in the oath. Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. I would bring forward that one of the ways you can see we're correct and over the target here is after we wrote that book and got out and started teaching this stuff, they actually went in and changed the oath on the passport application. And they added underneath the oath, now there's four little check boxes. And the those are all new, okay? Relatively 10, 10, 9, 8, 9, 10 years, somehow however long it's been. Uh, but there's these four little check boxes, and the very last one says, I have read and understand the warning box on page so-and-so of the instructions. Again, they don't tell you what it's there for. They just give you this check. Oh, yeah, I've read, and I understand it. Oh, well, you understand it. I guess that means you volunteered your, your, uh, your game to be a surf then, right? I mean, isn't that what they're telling you? Yeah. Okay, so my suggestion and thoughts on John was if you want to stick a little cover letter on there, I've never had anybody come back and say they wouldn't accept their exhibit. Basically what it is, it's an exhibit. But you don't want to 
right on the form ex- uh, see a exhibit a you know because now you're defacing their form so and i understand john's query and and i've had other people talk you know bring this up but you could stick a uh, small short cover letter on top of your citizenship evidence just saying uh, although this is uh, already on file uh you could even reference your certified receipt number that you sent it in etc if you want to yeah get a little bit verbose on them and um then you just say uh, please place this firmly and permanently in my administrative file and please make sure my newly purchased government id reflects this change that may be something nice to put in there as a cover letter oh i like that i like that can i interject for a moment sure who is this debbie hey debbie are you new No, I talked to you. I'm from Sonoma County. I, I talked to you a couple times. Okay. Then I went on vacation, so I haven't been here. Okay. Um, but I wanted to mention that. Delta yeah, it's Delta Debbie. Yes. I Del- Delta oh, Delta Airlines. Debbie. Okay, I got you now. Got Delta, you. Matt's, Matt's, um, Matt's yes. research uh, baby. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. So um, I, there's a guy in Sonoma County who there is one fi- one place you can quote unquote deface that that government form there is yeah because he did not sign his signature on the signature line he wrote addendum attached and then all his paperwork he put with it he signed his paperwork so there is a place that you can deface because your signature is whatever you write and he wrote addendum attached Okay. Hey, hey uh, Debbie, let me let me uh, add something. It, it was he annexed. He used the word annex. Oh, annex. Sorry, I kept trying to. I know it was an A word. I, I kept trying to think of what the word <laughs> oh, was. Well, now hold it. Okay. On his signature line, he put annex. Was that Matt and, jumping in there? I'm assuming. Yes. 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 Yeah. Annex. So he did not. Yeah, he did not sign the actual form. It's a government form. He said, I'm not signing a government form, and he just attached his uh, paperwork that was. You know, so he he told me that the word annexed means they have to um, include attached paperwork to the form because it's annexed. Okay. And I have not researched the word annexed. Okay, so it's like exhibit, exhibit A, exhibit B. You know, but I would go ahead. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I don't see any problem with signing their form. You're signing it. You're giving them a new a new identity. You're signing it to get your new identity. I don't think there'd be any drawback in it. It's some of these people that have been understandably cautious about doing anything straight up with these thieving lying murdering bastards um but the other thing john that i was thinking here uh, last night uh as i couldn't sleep and is uh you could take and use a post-it note that's not defacing the form and take on your post-it note and say see exhibit a attach whatever you know you want to write on there and stick that on the application or that on your uh on your affidavit so a cover letter might even work better if you feel more comfortable doing that do it i don't see any harm in it you just don't want to deface their form so you don't think that they would send out a SWAT team for leaving post-it note? I don't, I don't think even they would do that, John. <laughs> Unless there's somehow 3M has got defacing glue. So <laughs> I'm kidding. <but> yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, great, great comments, advice from 
yeah. from you and uh-huh. you know, others. So thank you. Okay, and there it is. For those of you who don't know, it's right there in the warning box. It's hidden very deeply in the instructions. You know, I I don't know if I've they've taken this out of the instructions. There used to be, and there still is a section there called Paperwork Reduction Act. I think is what it's labeled. For those of you who have read through the instructions lately, you know, they got them blocked out in different subject matters. And if I remember right, it says Paperwork Reduction Act, and it talks about how these uh, public information gathering requests have to have a OMB number uh, because of the Paperwork Reduction Act and all this kind of stuff. And then they, they had a comment in it in the old days. I've still got a copy with it in there. After I started bringing it out on the air, I think they took it out of there and uh in that section it says it's talking about the omb number it says often this is difficult to do achieving an omb number it says often this is difficult to do because our citizenship laws are very complex (laughs) they actually used to say that they love to rub your nose in it don't they and i remember when i saw that and i called up glenn and i read it to glenn and Glenn said, boy, I'll say they're complex. They send you to jail, federal prison, for 15 years just for trying to teach them. <laughs> and I think that's out of there now. But uh, they've made some changes to that application because of our teaching. And that's, you know, that's the best form of flattery right there is when they're reacting to what you're uh, publicly catching them in, you know. So, uh, again, there's a little endorsement for what we do and our approach and how we do it around here. So, and I'm glad all of you guys are around. Are there anybody else got comments or questions here that we'd like to entertain and, and you'd like to have discussed? Now, listen to those crickets. Those aren't the crickets you eat. Those are the crickets you hear when nobody's got a question. <laughs> okay. Um, well, does anybody have anything they'd find uh, uh, discussing interesting? Hey, Roger. Good morning. Good morning. Is Billy Goat? Billy, Billy. It's nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing important at all. But I had to look up barracks bag. Kind of like, like <laughs> that's, my father. that's my father. Like, that's oh, my father's. That's my father's. That's my father's expression. Roger talking about with these cliches. So uh, we, we nailed. That's from being raised as a military kid. <laughs> uh, apparently, so I didn't found much. Basically, it was just a, a form of uh, a military. Uh, form of just shut up well, you know what you know what you'd call i think you'd refer to it as a as a uh, uh, oh hell i just had another um that uh, barracks bag is a uh, duffel bag so i'm not sure how somebody's gonna blow it out their duffel bag but okay i don't know stuff it up there but their their barracks bag <laughs> anyway i i I like cliches. I think they're funny, and every language and nationality has theirs. So they're yeah, right. interesting etymologies. But I—that's all I found on it. So there you mm, go. I'm pr- I'm <laughs> pretty sure. Break yeah. the crickets with with that. Well, there you go. Well, thank you for breaking the crickets, there. I think you'd probably refer to it as a duffel bag, that big green thing that you used to pile everything in and fold the top over and fasten it and throw over your shoulder and carry with you. I believe is that's what those are. Uh, but then again, remember my father was in this stuff way back in the forties. So, uh, the terminology, no doubt has changed. 
especially it's called sea bag a sea bag there you go especially these days where they they still they, use it too do they okay they still uh, yep. they they want all the enlistees to be either trans or bi or or, or sodomites evidently uh so that's where our military's going and they want these people to go fight the russians who who whose president goes out and wrestles lions and scores hat tricks with the russian hockey team and all that by the way lavrov yesterday evidently came out and made a a, st- a statement that we russia's uh, now at war officially with nato so you can look for that to blow up okay as if as if things weren't complex enough right So, there you go. Uh, I know somebody out there. Hey, Roger. There's somebody. See there? I can just feel they were coming forward. Hi. This is Lisa. How are you? Hey, Lisa. Hey. So, um, we just had a girl in San Diego that went into... I saw this. I saw that. I saw the video on it. I meant to bring it up yesterday. Okay. So, you know where I'm going with this, right? Like she was screaming about you're gonna you're held responsible and I can see you personally. You need to protect my civil rights. I'm like you're slaving. That's you're slaving. Get up. Stop it. You know. See there? And I was like, oh, oh, I was, I was, I was just like, oh my gosh. I don't know this girl personally. I actually live in Orange County. I don't live in San Diego. And and I I watch Karen Kingston a lot. You know, for information. And she's the one that actually promoted this thing. Anyway, if somebody knows her, I would strongly recommend that you get her some of this information and get this girl straightened out she has a microphone and a platform and people are listening and she's screaming slavery she needs to get off the slavery prong and get on the, the freedom prong and you know what i mean it's yep. lisa so, yep. yeah lisa um just so you know john kasarab and myself we spoke to her oh did maybe you about oh. maybe about um within the past year and so she's been introduced to the in- information and uh-huh. she's been very active in San Diego. And so yeah. um, she's very articulate and, um, yeah. and they've also have um, some of them have some of the, they've kind of have given her a hard time, you know, officials quote officials because of her, you know, activism, but I was really quite surprised. I didn't see the whole video, but yesterday morning I was in a full-on federal building, I don't know, 10 stories high, and there's mixed offices in there, and I barely saw anybody wearing a mask. Is that right? Oh, so, I can tell you this. And I know, yeah, it it, I know it's also random and arbitrary, but it being a federal building... I was kind of after reading, seeing the news article on her, I was just sort of surprised because the federal buildings would tend to be more uniform, I would think. But anyway, so barely a mask in the federal building here in Los Angeles yesterday. That little gal has got, as Lisa would tell us, that little gal's got big breasticles. Okay, and if you would have seen her out there fighting, fighting three federal uh, goons at the Social Security office, she was going in to do something at the Social Security office, 
and Social she, Security. Yeah, yep. they're requiring mask wearing in yep. there. Yeah, and they were yep. they were ma- making her come in to do some kind of paperwork, and she wouldn't do it. And they called these uh, these three goons out, and they're chasing her around trying to get her ID. And finally, like if I remember right, tackled her or something, and the ID flew out of her yep. hand. And one they of them went and her. got got the ID and giving her all kinds of crap. And I'm just going, man, we need th- this girl. If see how she's got she's got huge breasticles and she was in such a good situation which if she'd have had this information mm-hmm. she could have played it a lot better yes, yep. yes she's, she's had I, it she just was, hasn't used it yet well uh you know hopefully well, that'll uh, you know i know i know you see people use that and they also use the the uh, uh the exchangeable term which is even worse constitutional rights yeah, no, there, nobody gave you any rights, girl. God gave them to you. No, no, no constitutional constitutional protections. I'm learning. I'm learning, Roger. I'm listening, and I'm learning. See, I, you know, and here, Lisa, this stuff's been in front of you your whole life, and you never noticed it before, and now all of a sudden nope. it sticks out like a sore thumb with a neon light on it. Yes. You know, it's just like Nastasha yes. reading yes. that IRS. Your belief that, oh, okay. So that's what I'm saying that you you you'll know you're you know you're getting traction when you start seeing those things you never saw before. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm 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 handing out your I'm waiting for your book to be delivered. I'm I'm handing out the you know uh, the, the the thing about the patriot to people. I'm trying to talk to people and and I, you know, and I tell them it's, it's like seeds. Either they'll plant or they won't. I well, that's, just, I have to and, and, and they they'll plant but you just don't know when they'll sprout some won't sprout some will sprout later somebody's got their micro their yeah. video on there and it's uh you're moving the camera around so if you could check here i'm not sure who it is but you got your hey video. i was in the social security office friday and uh i wasn't wearing a mask okay and the and that was when you had your little exchange with them right yes uh, the security guard was wearing a mask and had all the signs that said masks are required by law, and I just ignored it. Okay, you could do the old IRS thing. Well, show me the law, would you? And, and, and the security guard didn't say a word to me. He just asked me what, what I wanted and take a number, and the clerk didn't ask me. nobody. So I, I didn't see a big deal. Okay, all right. Well, the, you know, we are talking about San Diego, okay? So, anyway, that did happen to that gal. I saw the footage, and I saw her interviewed. I think Owen Sorry to interrupt you, Roger. Never mind. Hey, Lisa. Well, no, no, no. We don't get to hear from Lisa No, I was just going to tell Debbie she had her camera on. Okay, there you go. she turned it off. All right, good enough. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Debbie. So, uh, anyway... um, they had her on Owen Stroyer, and she was getting interviewed, and I thought, boy, what a feisty gal. Man, we need her, okay? And I had no idea that John and you guys had already presented this to her, and uh, it's too bad it didn't take the first time around. Maybe uh, uh, it'll uh, take a second time around. Yeah. So, anyway, so who's uh, who's got something else to bring forward here? That was a good, uh, good addition to our uh, hey, conversation. Roger. Yes, there's somebody right there. Yeah, th- this is John. Real quick, okay, is it something else that it, it, it dawned on me from my experience yesterday with this passport application? Yeah. And I'm assuming this is across the board, you know, in all the states. Maybe not. Maybe it's unique to Utah. But when I went to make the um, 
you know, it said you need to make an appointment. That's one. the other thing I found. Well, I just go in there, walk out. I'll walk down. Yeah, to well, the it used station, to be, right? it used to be that way. It's changed yeah. over the last few years. I got this appointment thing in there. Right. So anyway, but here's what I found out. So I have my desktop, and I don't know why. Probably Billy Goat know the answer to this. But um, so I went to my desktop and to click on the um, the the federal uh, part, to, you know, to find location to make an appointment from there, right? And so, um, and, and they they give you a list of the different locations along with phone numbers and so forth. So on my desktop, the the kind of the the equivalent of the wheel going round and round, you know, right, but they had right. something else there right. that went on all night long and, and <laughs> never got me to where I wanted to go. Right? <laughs> okay. So well. then I went on my phone, buzz right through. Okay, and but then I put in the. Um, you know, by date, and there was nothing available for uh, this month and all of next month. Oh, right? yo! So then, yeah. So then, then I thought, well, I'll, instead of going by date, I'll and I tracked down. I went through each of the locations. Okay, and so I'm thinking, well, the date, you know, it's got to be an entire system together. And so then I found. On a, you know, depending on the location, and they, they gave me several choices, and you could pick how many miles radius you want to look at and so forth. And so I looked at that, and I went into each location separately to see what was available on the calendar. And so a couple of them were blocked out for the whole month of April and May, and then there were others that had maybe a couple of three dates, say first, second week of May, but they varied but here they were showing it as per location, but not for the whole system under the date availability. So anyone that's going to be applying for a new passport likely will go through that system, okay, as I was just describing. And so that's one way, or they have the numbers, or you can call them directly, and they go, oh, yeah, we don't, we haven't updated that thing in two years or yeah, whatever, you yeah. know, and they said, come on in, you know, yeah. I don't know, but I'm going to try to I, do that. I, I mean, so how long does it take? Cause it doesn't take but a minute to go over it and do what you got to do, have them witness the signature, and if you go to the post office, he goes, and if you're expediting or whatever, he'll go over, and the clerk that handles your passport will take the package over to the clerk window and handle all the mailing of it. So I, you know, I would suggest if you're uh, in that DS11 category that you just uh, drop by your post office and ask them. Yeah, and 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 then they have the ones that do have a passport office, and some used to, and they closed them down, and and so the ones that do have a passport office within the post office, which in my situation is a separate room altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, then they have a kiosk. So they said you could either go online, and if that's not working on my desktop, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> you can go into the post office to their kiosk, which is you're right there, right? Like six feet from the door. And I, feel like this really I, makes a lot of sense. Can I just deal with a real human being that I can talk to and get answers from, please? <laughs> so my next attempt, I'm just going to start making phone calls. And they said, do you have anything? You have a cancellation or someone didn't show up? Because I'll be right over. I mean, this used to be a very simple process. Uh, you, 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 they, they make it look like they're getting just swamped and overrun with people applying for passports. I'm sure that's not the case, although there may be a little more of the case as we get our information spread a little bit more. Um, 
But uh, anyway, the other thing, I think, is two things. There are certain, and I haven't found this out till recently from some of you guys, but there are businesses that help you submit passport applications. I don't, I don't know how to find them or anything else, but I've heard people on here come on and allude to that. So evidently there's these uh, private businesses that have got themselves uh, qualified as authorizing agents. Call Expedite Service. Okay, Expedition Services. Okay, go ahead. Okay, on that note, yeah, on that note, yes, they do exist. And so on my old passport, when I, I had to go into, you know, years ago on a business trip, you know, overseas. And so, you know, there wasn't any time at all. And so we utilized an export, uh, uh, you know, one of those services right. out of New York, and they just walked it over, yeah. literally. And everything was done through overnight, you know, express, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And at the time, I'm going to say the fee was 100, 150 bucks extra. Right. Okay. Right. So I had the sticker on the back of my passport, the same company. And I thought, well, I'll just give them a call. Right. And so they go, uh, well, because we're limited now to the number we can take every day, huh? our prices have gone up a little bit. And I go, so what are we talking about? And, and I can't remember if this included the fees or it was extra, but it was like $700. Okay. Well, I think I'll just drop by the post office. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing is in certain bigger metro areas, I know Atlanta's got one. I know L.A.'s got one. Have you checked to see if you've got a, a passport office in Salt Lake, John? Uh, well, yeah. The, the you know, Well, it's the post office. But you're talking about like an actual I'm talking government. a federal government, you know, I guess with several different clerks that will process and deal with passport problems. I don't, and processing. I don't believe so. Okay. I don't believe so. Because all they did was list just the agents. Uh-huh. Well, it's probably just in your larger metro areas. Like I said, I'm I know sure, Atlanta's sure. got one. I know L.A.'s got one. And I'm sure the types of cities will have them. And just like you said, yeah, obviously New York's got one. And I know D.C.'s got one because it's in right – as you get off the train station right there at the state department they've it's right there at the state department you just walk right off the train and go over to the processing center there for passports because one of our black guys used it one time yes who's trying to get in there san francisco and seattle have them too okay both of those okay great thank you i think it's deb right uh who else is trying to say something there a male voice it's jason oh jason okay there's only there's only about a dozen of those across the country. Okay, there are not very many of them. Yeah, major metro no. areas. Okay. Probably they have to have the population base to justify putting it in there. Otherwise, they've got to When I went in October. Say, yeah? I said, when I went in October to do mine, I was in and out in three minutes. There you go. At the post office in Birmingham. Oh, okay. oh it's Mike. Okay. Yeah, it's not a, not a big deal generally. You know, I remember the snotty nose guy I had there in Panama City, the first one that I did. Uh, they just wanted to be confrontational, just wanted to be a dick with ears, you know. Well, I'm going to make you go get one on my ID card, which was a, a wonderful a wonderful experience. So he didn't really understand what he was doing. But that was a seminal moment for me. For those of you who don't know the story, I walked in. I didn't. I had a, a state-issued driver's license from Tennessee, but I knew that it w- uh, signified residence, and I didn't want to use it. And so in the instructions, it says, 
If you don't have a picture ID, you can bring somebody with you that's known you for at least two years that does have one, and that'll suffice. So I had this uh, this blonde lady with me, very attractive, and uh, she said, sure, I'll do that with you. And so we walked into the post office, and when we walked in, in the little post office there in Bay County, which is an old TV uh, 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 EPA, uh, Roosevelt's work, WPA, Works Progress Association, the, the post office there was built in that era. And it's a real nice little post office. The guy has his own cubby hole. And so he was in his cubby hole when we walked in. And so we started walking over there, and he's looking at her, obviously. And uh, I had this stack of papers in my hand, and he said uh, – he said, this guy knows what he's doing. He isn't even looking at me, you know. He's looking at, like I said, at her. And so I piped in and said, yeah, I do know. And I had affidavit and my five-page affidavit and all the other paperwork. So I had a stack of papers. I guess most people wander in there with just an application in hand if they've even got that. So anyway, we get to that point where you present the picture ID. And I said, well, I don't have one, but that's why she's with me here, Melania. And uh, she's got one. She's known me for a couple of years. And so he says, wait a minute. And he turns around and up on the back shelf, on the top shelf is this big, thick, you know, the thick, thick three ring binders where the spine's about three inches thick, you know. And so he pulls one of those down and there's so damn much stuff in it. When it hits the counter, it goes plop. I remember it made a sound plop. And so he opens it up and he starts scanning through it. He's running his finger across all the verbiage. And he looks up at me and he goes, it says right here, I don't have to accept that. And I can make you go get one. And then this little says, I'm going to make you go get one. I want to say, well, you snot nosed piece of crap. Okay. Now, Melania pops up and she goes, well, why don't we go get our kids Florida State IDs? I just did that with them a couple of weeks ago. Bam. Here comes the answer. So uh, everything's pretty close to each other, that part of town there. And so the driver's license division is not too far away. And we hop in the car and we get over there. And by that time, I had my birth certificate. I had the affidavit with me, my five-page affidavit on file. At that point, twenty uh, over 15 years there in Bay County in the property records office, certified by the clerk of the court. Okay, and so that matched with the birth certificate. So when we get to the driver's license division, there's a guy that's a gatekeeper there making sure everybody's got their paperwork in order. See, so we show him the affidavit and we show him the birth certificate. Sure, go on in. And he sends me down to the clerks that dealt with the ID. We've had several people do this lately, get IDs, by the way, state issued IDs. You, I think one of the requirements is you can't have an active driver's license. But if you don't, you can get a state-issued ID. And so I walk up to the counter. I just – I didn't say a word. I just took my five-page affidavit, and I put it up on the counter for the nice lady. And she didn't say a word. She grabbed it, opened up a scanner, and started scanning it in, five pages of it. Now she's asking me the questions. And she goes, hey, Mr. Sales, are you a citizen of the United States? No. Are you a resident? No. Where do you live? Uh, address and everything, you know. And so we get finished with that little dog and pony show. And she goes, well, okay, Mr. Sales. That'll be $4. Step over there and get your picture taken. And that was a seminal moment for me in this whole thing. Because I felt like I had them, okay. But when she's that happened right there, and I told her I wasn't a resident, I told her I wasn't a citizen, and she goes, give me $4 and go get your picture taken. And I remember my thought, what hit me was like a sledgehammer, and I said, well, I'll be damned.
John was right. It's all voluntary. That was a seminal moment for me, and I would not have had it had not this guy been such a dick with ears, forcing me to go get my own ID, and had such an attitude. So anyway, I guess there's a silver lining in some of these things. Uh, if you you know what's the old saying, keep your hand in that stocking. There's a pony in there somewhere. So anybody got any comment or questions or observations or analysis? Roger, I got a little something here. Okay, is this Mark? No, it's Danny in Tennessee. Oh, hey, Danny, you kind of sound like Mark. How you doing, Danny? Two days in a row here. Well, yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, you were talking about annex a while ago. I looked it up in Black's Law and it says something that is attached, such as a document to a report or an addition to a building. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. And uh, kind of got a question. I know you've mentioned that the tax case of a guy who got his affidavit and everything in uh after it wasn't a tax it wasn't it wasn't a tax case it was a child custody battle and it happened not too far away from you in the huntsville area where well what i remember you saying before you know been a little while was uh that he still owed the taxes because he uh was was the u.s citizen at the time that oh. they you know came due but even though he's changed since then it, he still has to oh i thought you're that. i thought you were referring to something different where the affidavit got in that court case um well i mean if i know it's based on fraud but you're not going to win that battle okay and if you've got well, my, a taxable obligation before you file the affidavit filing the affidavit and changing status doesn't take care of the previous stuff that's gone under the bridge even though it should okay well it, it may not what i want to find out is do you you know the uh case that that was or uh, no case number or anything uh, no i don't know that there i'm just going off con concept here i don't remember the specific case that we're talking about and you're referring to honestly but okay, if you're under well it's like all these guys that are ralph students that are in the you know got these long prison terms and stuff can this can this affidavit help me no not at all you know and i mean i could tell you that i i fought those some bitches for a long time and uh, the story of my house closing which some of you have probably not heard that they grabbed 35,000 at my house closing okay and uh it still didn't hit me for a couple of years later why that happened and i knew this stuff pretty well okay um so uh, it's uh, uh if you've got something that's previous They've got these underlying little contractual things, and you're never going to get in their court system and get out of it, I don't think. Now, somebody may prove me wrong and be pull something out of a hat, but to my knowledge, the IRS, because see, they got to let you go at that point because now you've gotten in officially and changed it, and they can't go forward and bring that in and bring you into court where you can get that in. And if they're, they've got you in some nexus and you're trying to get out the door, the exit door, they're going to get just as big a chunk out of your backside as they can get. And it's like with me. Well, and, Danny, know, I don't know if I told you this or not. This is an illustration of what I'm talking about. They took $35,000 from my house closing. Okay, and then after that was over, they had the audacity to write me a letter 
and say, well, you only owed 30000 but we took an extra 5000 for taxes we think you're going to owe in the future. I guess that means you're out of the system at that point, doesn't it? Well, I guess maybe. Uh, but another, another thought I'd had, you know, trying to bring in common law to it, too, that, uh, you know, you were – you weren't informed of this ahead of time. You are naturally a person, you know, a natural person. You're not a creation of government. And so you're a natural person under natural law and uh, uh, common law. And they did not provide common law notice to you before they did this, whereby uh, you, you know, actually voluntarily did it well you know what they're going to bring up there they never bring it up but what the underlying justification they've got is well hell danny every time we ever ask you you told us you were a slave and you signed something well yeah they they probably would but i mean that's the justification that's the underpinning that they're going on that's their plausibility there and they're never going to bring it up and show it to you but that's the whole card that they're holding well, that that might be something to for them to avoid uh, liability, criminal or, or otherwise. But it doesn't seem like that nullifies your point. It's like two people having an argument, and you know, you you involved with them through error and mistake, and uh, you know, not really realizing I, what they had done. I, I don't disagree with you one bit, but I'm telling you, you're never going to get that argument forward and, and with any wheels. To my knowledge. Yeah, well, maybe not in federal court, but I'm kind of thinking in, in state court. Well, there, you know what's going to happen if you try and file this. You know what's going to happen if you try and file it in state court? They're going to remove it to federal okay. court. They're going to remove it, I promise you. That's no, your favorite. No, no, this is a traffic, this is oh, a traffic oh, case. Oh, I thought you were talking IRS stuff. Okay. No. Okay, yeah, you can do traffic but, stuff in state court. Yeah. And... Uh, Oh, well, you know, a while back I told you that the uh, the prosecutor in his case had said he wanted to meet with me, and we got uh, uh, you know time period for discovery. Well, he hasn't really provided any discovery. I gave him some uh, uh, admissions and some requests for documents. He hasn't come back with anything. I've tried several times to set up with him a, a meeting, like he said to start with that he wanted to help and. I never get anything back. So uh-huh. I think I it's, you, you call that lifting the edge of the carpet and brushing it under there. Well, yeah, but I could maybe lift it up and brush it back out. Well, you could, you might See, could if he'll cooperate <laughs> with you, but if he won't cooperate with you, you're going to have to do a writ of mandamus <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, well, you know, perhaps, but uh, have the judge tell him to do something when we go back. Well, well if you hey, get back in court, you could bring that up and see if he'll do that. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm planning. And also kind of indirectly inform the judge about this. I try to think of how to do indirect words that the prosecutor understand and judge have an idea of something peculiar going on that the uh, the, the the court would probably find the uh, – the record much more palatable if we meet and work out something rather than just battle it out with the paperwork. Uh, You know, my feeling on getting involved with court and these kind of processes is it's about the last thing in this life I want to do. 
and and that's another beauty of what we do here is that you can file this thing and even if you have to bend over and take it for the previous stuff you're free from then on and and to me that's just the quality of life that you can enjoy rather than having to go through all this court stuff and filing and writing paperwork and serving people and uh, certificates of service and all the other intricacies that you got to learn i i came to the conclusion a long time ago that see even if you win that battle danny the problem mm-hmm. is is they've won because you they've commandeered your life to get that one little victory and what's it going to do for you now listen some people like doing it and i if you like it and you and you want to go in and and do sword fighting with them man knock yourself out okay for me it's not my cup of tea I, I, I seem to disagree with going to court because you're basically um, you're agreeing that you, you're some guilt. You're al- guilt. You're already agreeing to jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. When you go uh-huh. into court, unless you know what to say in court, and you know, basically, all of this is a breach of the trust, the trust granted by God. Yes. You're the beneficiary of the trust. Well, Esau, to tell them. Esau, Edom stole their birthright. You know, that's what we're dealing with when you boil it all down right here. Esau, Edom stole their birthright back. They tricked us out of it. Well, what they did is they're, they're convoluting who the trustee is of the trust that your name is in. So you have to set them straight in court and ask as a friend of the court for the help of the uh, Judge Cork of the Clerk, who, as the trustee, I'm only here as a beneficiary. Someone's attacking the trust, and I need your help to settle this matter. That's well, all. My, my suggestion is do everything you can to stay out of a courtroom setting, and that's the beauty of what we do, and that's really the uh, the uh, facilitation of the notice on the back end of this is to weaponize your new status and to put all these people on notice. And it's interesting how they react, isn't it? But, again, in 11 years, I've never had one person ever contact me that's had any of this backlash on them. Any of these agents that have gone back and outstepped their authority and gone after and screwed with people, I've never heard not one case. In fact, I heard just the opposite at one point. I've never had a follow-up call from the guy. He was one of our Patriot guys, and he'd moved from Florida up into the Midwest, Illinois or Indiana, somewhere up in there. And there was some U.S. attorney that was after him. And this was maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, nine years ago, something like that. And she was coming as a female, and she was coming after him. He said, she's accusing me of being a sovereign citizen. What do I do? And I said, well, file an affidavit and give her a copy. I never heard from the guy again. So this uh, evidently stops them in their tracks, and they recognize it. Um, you know, you may want not want to believe that if you're new, but I'm, I'm, my personal experience is, like I said, I've got to believe. I have no idea how many people have filed these things. Okay, but I do know that if any of them had any problems, that I'd be one of the first people that they figured out a way to get hold of. And you can see that somebody gets in here. They don't know all this stuff. Hey, that guy, Roger, told me about this. I'm going to contact him and see what to do. I've never had one of those calls in 11 years. Never. Not one. So that's got it. That's a track record. That's I call it unblemished. What would you call it? So proof's in the pudding 
here uh you know mr mr blinken has never come back and and said i can't accept this or like they did to mike at the social security officer in birmingham we we don't recognize that oh really well then i guess you're open tyrants aren't you yes he was trying to say roger Roger. yeah yeah several people there uh one of them i think is is our buddy wayne wayne is that your voice yes it is sir how you doing i'm good man we hadn't heard from you in a long time how are you well, pretty good, pretty good. In fact, I uh, met yesterday with a couple you had turned me on to uh, several weeks ago, and uh, I think they're going to go ahead and file, and uh, I think it's going to work out pretty good. They seem pretty excited, uh, filling in a few blanks and answering a few questions, so it was a very good meeting. Excellent. But uh, but the reason I was calling in today was... The uh, Dallas group strengthens. Go ahead. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but uh, this weaponizing affidavit and giving notice to these public officials, that really interests me. And I guess what I wanted to find out is, is that based on maybe a court case or maximum law? No, yes, yeah, based on a maximum of law. It's called due process. Okay. Due process is very simple, notice and the right to be heard. Okay, they put us on notice. Don't they have to notice us with everything? File this in the Federal Register. We're going to send you this notice, this, that, and the other. Well, all we're doing is reversing that. Now, we've got our status straight, and we're putting them on notice that this affidavit and status change is on file officially with the guy that's got all the authority and recognizes it. And I want you to recognize it, too, because he's your boss. And so that's what you're doing is weaponizing your position by putting them on notice that your status has changed. Now, what that does is it shifts the ball into the other side of the court, Wayne, because now they have to adhere to their job responsibilities and the oath that they took to stay inside their responsible areas. And now you've put them on notice, so now they've been informed that you've changed. And if they come after you, now they're acting outside their delegated responsibilities because they can only deal with residents and citizens of the United States. And now you're a national, and if they come after you now, they lose their cloak of immunity. And you can sue them in their personal capacity. Just what this girl, that's what this girl in San Diego that didn't have her ducks in a row was yelling at these cops. I'm going to, you're out, you're violating my civil rights. I'm going to sue you in your personal capacity. Well, you ain't going to get far, girl. I'm sorry. If you'd listen to John and Nastasha, whoever was saying that, you'd be a little bit better informed and you'd be in a hell of a lot better condition and situation. But you didn't listen, unfortunately. It didn't register at that point. Maybe it will. So does that explain what we're doing here, Wayne, better to you? And it's all based on due process, man. And due pro- if you're talking about a canon of law, due process is at the basis of all of them because they've all got to recognize it. If they don't, yeah, it's not true. law. Yeah. It's tyranny. That makes a lot of sense, Roger. Hey, bro, and I, I guess what kind of drew me th- towards this direction is in reading on some of the immunity factors for these public officials, as I understand it, they may well have absolute immunity from common law torts and qualified immunity for constitutional torts so anything they do against us is uh, probably under color of law so it seems to me like anything they try to do is automatically you know against the law it is okay it, it, because the, once again the only the administrative state was an outgrowth of the bankruptcy 
The bankruptcy was when these thieves went in and hypothecated this and stuck us into this trustee receivership situation and turned everybody into serfs that they're now considered pieces of property, okay? And all of that represents that. So those agency guys, the only people they can deal with are these people that are in the serf thing from the bankruptcy. And it's just a one incident of fraud based upon another. The, the, the Federal Reserve, the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, the bankruptcy in the bond market, all of that stuff. Fraud, 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 fraud. It's layer after layer. So you wonder why they recognize mm-hmm. this. If you're new here and you go, no, they wouldn't do that. Well, this is why. It's because it's fraud. And if they don't recognize that they're open tyrants and there ain't no other choices. Makes perfect sense, Roger. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Wayne. Good to hear from you, man. Uh, somebody Roger, else was hey, trying. Hey, there Roger. you go. There's two or three people trying to say something. Yeah, go ahead. Hard times create strong men. Well, yeah, that's right. That whole litany. So hard times. Uh, good times create strong men. Strong men will create bad, bad times. Bad times create strong men. Strong men create good times, whatever that thing is. So, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. Who was yeah. trying to say something else there? Hey, Roger. This is, this is Chris in Tennessee. Hey, Chris. Have we spoken with you before? Uh few weeks ago okay well i'm sorry yeah, we talked to a lot of people um, on here well nice to I, have you back yeah what part yeah, of tennessee I, I by the way in. I keep what, my ear to the, what part of tennessee uh right now i'm in nashville oh guitar town okay <clears throat> i'm in nashville but i'm i'm florida bound here i'm i'm about to pack up camp here soon so are you and 17 just, just other 100 people a day <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> that's what i hear luckily we already set up camp some years ago so we don't have a problem we can okay go down there. good for you what part of the but, state you're going to go to uh, we're in spring hill right now the tampa area oh okay nice area. area yeah yeah i love it down there first time i went down there it's like this is my home there you go but, but uh that uh you gave that account of uh when you were in um uh panama city going to the the post the office. David. Yeah. Yes. That that should preface your book because <laughs> that's. I mean, that just summarizes everything in the book. It does. Um, Maybe I'll write that up and maybe send that to you. Please, <laughs> well, thank you. I thank you. I don't know how that escaped the book. I tried to put everything but the kitchen sink in there. And, well, yeah, I, you know, I the mean, problem like we had. a seminal moment. Well, the problem we had ahead, was I didn't, I didn't realize the significance of that until later, you know. But the problem we had yeah. is there's so much information here to try and get it in a concerted in a book form where people can follow mm-hmm. it and not get confused and still be explanatory. And for instance, you know, I left out what I consider looking back on the most important things we cover here, which is R plus D equals R. I, I can't stress to you mm-hmm. guys, especially you new students, how important that is to learn it, understand it, and at least get a fundamental in your mind working relationship of how it works. Cause everything runs off of that formula. Everybody along law in the world runs off that formula. Rights plus yeah. duties equal yeah. remedies. So we didn't even, didn't yeah, even think uh, about putting that in the book, Chris. You know. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, and that, and you know, that that that's so. That's I don't know how how to stress how important that is to internalize and make it make that information work well, because it takes away. It, I mean, it's, it's, I hadn't got my uh, passport 
back yet. I've renewed mine, but I don't even care because I, my my affidavit is on file, so I know where I stand. I haven't heard anything back from them other than the little form letter that I'm uh, going to rebut here with, within the ninety days and um, tell them to, to get with it and send my passport. Oh, did you get a little bluff the, the letter? Standard, you got a little bluff letter from well, them? It, they didn't outright reject mine. They just kind of said, "Well." It appears that you've got uh, that me, you're a citizen of blah blah blah. And, that's the first and paragraph. Everybody. I've got that's the yeah, first, the first paragraph. paragraph it appears that, by what you it appears by what you've submitted that you're a citizen of the United States, and then it quotes the Fourteenth yeah. Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. And then right. blah blah yep. blah <laughs> says a couple other things, and yep. then the very last words in the paragraph always are except by operational law you'll find that phrase all through key documents i think hr 192 uh which was the senate passing after the bankruptcy in 1933 a month later there was a a, i I believe it's Mm -hmm. it's a senate bill sb 192 or something and there's a big paragraph all the property in the united states belongs to the federal government there it is at the very last except by operational law Okay, that's very important because all you do is bring forth common law and rub their face in it, and there's your operational law. I've never had anybody that that replied to one of those letters not get what they had paid for and were expecting to get from these creeps. They're just trying to see what you know. They're trying to see, let's phrase it another way, they're trying to see if you're an Anna Von Reich or a David Strait student. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay. yeah so I've, I've already got my uh, reply letter already drafted okay. up and uh, just, well good uh, if you need any it. help with that you um, just reach out to me okay and i'll help you yep you've already all of you guys have already provided uh, and i've gotten it down to basically a paragraph so i'm gonna i'll i'll finish it up and get it and reply back and okay then, but other than that i'm i mean i'm good i don't i don't even care i'm 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 good because i know my stuff is on file and you know they ain't gonna mess with me. They didn't so, send anyway, that I'd letter like, back. Like you didn't send that letter back with you sending them a cold affidavit. They sent it back for your passport application, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. It was in reply to the passport yep. application. I've never even. I have not heard back from the actual head honchos yet, and I, I don't. I don't expect to. You won't. You won't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't expect to hear anything. You know, one of the reasons is I didn't ask them for anything. I just told them what to do. Exactly. And the other thing is, when you're throwing it through a a naked affidavit back through that process through the through the administrative process they've gone of filing stuff like that, you're bypassing a lot Mm -hmm. of those officials that'll do the kind of crap they're doing with passports. Okay, so that's part of the reason too. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then I'll, I'll get off here. I just want to hear the remainder of the 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 uh, the, that the story there, or not story, but that uh, the recount of uh, after you got your. Uh your, your state identification was it? Well, yeah. Well, I went back. Did, did we you went have to go back to the. Oh, well, I had okay, to go back. All right, went back to the clerk. Not too far away. We get back. I got the little ID, and so he then he reluctantly, you know, processes the thing, and I expedited it, and so he had to go over, and I had to pay the extra fee, and it's overnight mail and all that stuff, and so right there at the last, I didn't put a social security number in there. Okay, I didn't have a lot of this knowledge we got now, and so he goes. He looks at me. He said, "They won't send you. They won't give you one without a social security number." And I looked at him. I said, "You watch them." And he put it in the envelope, and I got my passport. So that was about it. 
you know he sure had an attitude though chris yeah uh we're right at the uh the end of the program i don't know if we got much time to eat, wiggle room on anything uh but uh anyway been a good a good show today and uh thank all of you that uh, are here and are listening later perhaps and you know we care about each and every one of you and we want to make sure everybody gets through this relatively unscathed with a good bit of knowledge and some self-confidence and self-assuredness and stuff about where you are and what you want to do and uh so we'll be back obviously tomorrow uh, and I've got uh, the Sarah Westall uh, thing, as I said earlier, is going to be released today. It'll probably be this week, a couple of different editions. And then today, this afternoon, I've got a uh, – I'm doing two shows with Jim White uh, that are going to be on Brighteon Radio, and we're going to go over the history and analysis of the tax system. Uh, so I'll be doing that later this afternoon, and that'll play tomorrow. And Friday, it's opposite us here, unfortunately, in the time scheme. But just getting a little more exposure and a little more information out there. Uh, Mr. Jimbo, are you there ready to take over? I'm assuming that you probably are. You're always Johnny on the spot. Just sat down in the magic you chair. Jimmy, you're Jimmy at the, on the spot. Jimmy on the spot. There he is. Okay, so uh, I'm sure you've got some interesting uh, information programming today. There's our whistler, so our timing was real good, I think. And, uh, well, come on now. Uh, so there it is. Um, anyway, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. The audience that can hear the music, I'm going to turn it down just a second here. Uh, nice whistler, though, you got to admit. Come on. There you get him piped down a little bit. So uh, anyway, I'm going to hand it over to Jim Ram. He's going to come at you with his DIY wealth and health arsenal. And uh, I would suggest that you stay tuned because there's always a lot of good information that's covered. I've got to go do a personal consultation here after the show and that interview later today. So I will see you all tomorrow. And uh, I, if you can go find the Sarah Westall interview and want to listen to it, I'd love to get your feedback on it. It was it went a little bit awry from where I like to pace things, but you know Sarah's a a, a, a talky kind of gal, and she wanted to have a conversation, and so that's what we did. Um, so uh, every day we get a little bit stronger. We get our message spread. You guys get a little bit more educated. You get a little bit more self assured, and uh, we're growing and we're strengthening. I promise you, it scares the cockeye out of them. Okay. So we'll see how far it goes, and uh, glad to have you all along. I hope everybody got their questions answered, and I'll see you all tomorrow. And we're about to get knocked off, and uh, Jim Ram is next. So that's about all I got. Jimbo, you got anything you want to tell them before we go into this? I'm just going to touch on some things that we didn't get to yesterday, and then wherever else we have to end up. Okay. Who knows? Okay, the old Tasmanian Word Association approach. We just got cut off. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Jimbo's got 